How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch is got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. Welcome back in to another edition of Booze and Baseball with Derek Johnson, Dusty Baker. This is episode number six. On today's episode, we're going to talk AL Central. We'll have our full-fledged AL Central preview on next week's show. We're going to talk with David Lesky, who writes for Baseball Prospectus and Royals Review about both the Royals and the AL Central as a whole. Uh, We're actually recording this on a Sunday, and we're both repping our NFL gear. Dusty's got his... uh, (laughs) Uh, brand new, I would assume, Justin Herbert jersey. I've got a uh, Chiefs hoodie on over here. But uh, maybe more importantly, Dusty, what are you drinking on this Sunday? Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned that it's a Justin Herbert jersey. He's the only reason why I wouldn't want to drink. But actually, I would drink to celebrate him because he's uh, – honestly, he's one of the best quarterbacks that I've seen uh, come through our system here. But um, I am currently drinking the laziest drink possible, which is a mango lemonade vodka. I literally threw this together in two minutes, and it's actually really not that bad, um, but I'm just mentally preparing for the Chargers game today, which, of course, they're probably going to ruin my day. They're facing the Bills. Uh, they're obviously, you know, it, it's not a terrible team. It's just they can't finish games, and uh, I expect nothing less. So just having a little bit of vodka before they disappoint me. What about you? Um, I am actually drinking. I, I've had a uh, coffee and uh, screwball earlier a- couple shows ago this time i'm going the classic route coffee bailey's recording sunday mornings you want something that wakes you up a little bit um it's a solid review it's you know it's a solid player uh it's like a, a good leadoff batter it's going to get you into the swing of things um it's it's not necessarily going to be your big three four hitter but uh it gets the job done it's a one pierre basically is what you're saying <laughs> yeah, that's a good comparison that is a name that i have uh, long forgotten until you just brought it up our goal on this show should be to throw out as many random names as possible over the course of this year. So, <laughs> I like that. All right, let's get on to our first segment, Cheers, Pour One Out. Do you have a uh, Cheers or Pour One Out for somebody? I do, yes. So, first of all, cheers to the Atlanta Braves, who have one of the best rotations now in baseball. Uh, this week, they signed Charlie Morton to a one-year deal worth $15 million. Now that rotation, I mean, it looks pretty dang good. You expect Max Freed probably to be the ace of that rotation. Um, they can go a lot of different directions here, but ultimately – You throw Freed at the top, possibly Ian Anderson at second or third. You throw Charlie Morton in the mix there as well. Uh, Don't forget about Drew Smiley. So cheers to the Braves. They have a lot of depth now there. And uh, adding Charlie Morton might just get them over the top here in 2021. 
cheers to all the international postings, and I'm sure we'll have even more. Uh, Tomoyuki Sugano, and I'm probably going to mispronounce some of these, but uh, he was posted from the Yomiuri Giants. Um, he's 31 years old, and he has been legitimately maybe the best pitcher over there. And I feel like they say that every time that, that somebody gets posted, whether it was like Kenta Maeda to Hyunjin Ryu. But uh, ERA of 2.14 or better since 2015 until last season. Last season, he had a 3.89. He then rebounded this year, had a really good year. Um, but the last season when he had the 3.89 ERA, he had a back injury. So it was a little bit different. I mean, he's won uh, their version of the Cy Young. I think it was like 2015, 2017, 2018. Like this guy is an absolute stud. So he's going to come over. He'll probably be a pretty good pitcher in the middle of somebody's rotation. Uh, this is the guy I really like. Uh, hey Seung Kim. He's 25 years old. He had 30 home runs, over 100 RBIs, had nearly a 400 on base percentage and over a 500 slugging percentage. Total it all up. That's an OPS over 900. 23 steals in 138 games. He's an exciting shortstop. And it's not just the numbers. Like, you watch him play. This dude is, like, bat flipping, and he's making exciting plays. He's hitting walk-off home runs. I am super excited to see uh, Hei Seung Kim. And then the other guy is Japan's um, Nippon Ham Fighters, which love that name, the Ham Fighters. Uh, Kohai Arihara, I think, uh, 28 years old. He had a 3.74 ERA in 2020, but even better in 2019, 2.46 ERA then. And he's more of a guy who could be slotted in like the middle to the back end of the rotation, maybe be a three, four, whereas Sugano might be like a number two or a number three in your rotation. So three pretty good players up for grabs coming over and uh, cheers to all those players. Cheers to whatever MLB teams get them too. Hey, cheers to you for pronouncing. I think those names, right? I can't really tell, but a uh, good job. Nonetheless, I think you did a good job on that. So um, let's throw another cheers out. How about to the Toronto Blue Jays? Okay. So, They've been playing at the Rogers Center since 1989. Now, while that's not that long ago, that stadium is definitely showing its age. There's not a lot of great features about that ballpark. One of the cool things is that you can actually book a room in center field where there's a hotel and you can watch a game from your hotel room. But outside of that, uh, it just doesn't really offer a whole lot outside of the fact it's a downtown location. Now the Blue Jays are looking at an opportunity to possibly just tear this thing down and build something up that's brand new. And quite frankly... You know, the Rogers Center, maybe it's got a few more years left in it, but the Blue Jays are forward thinking here. Uh, you obviously have a young ball club as well, and so maybe just having somebody like Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, you know, opening up a brand new ballpark. That's the route that they want to go. This might be the time to do that. And so uh, they're starting to really heavily consider building a new stadium. And uh, they're going to be looking, I think, at, at this time, according to reports um, from MLB Network Radio, they're indicating that people from Texas Live and also from the St. Louis Ballpark Village, they're going to be doing something along those lines in Toronto. Same for the battery in Atlanta. And so to add another element to Toronto, which ultimately, you know, you have the Raptors, but outside of the Raptors, it, it, it's kind of a hockey um, country, if you will. Uh, you just look at that, adding an element to the Blue Jays game day that you didn't have before. That's something that could really help out the city of Toronto. Uh, and so cheers to them for, you know, at least formulating a new plan, something that I've thought the Oakland Athletics and the Tampa Bay Rays should have been doing a long time ago. All right, I'm going to pour one out. Pour one out for the Rays. Um, the Randy Rosarena situation, it's, it's a weird situation. And 
I mean, I don't know all the details there, but he was jailed in Mexico. He has not been charged. So that is a good sign, but still the whole situation. Uh, Blake Snell is a trade candidate. Uh, they also had to DFA Hunter Renfro to, to make room for some guys to uh, get up to their 40-man roster so they wouldn't lose him in the Rule 5 draft. Uh, not not the, the greatest uh, progression over the offseason for the Rays after they go to the World Series, they look like they're so close to winning it, and now it almost feels like they're kind of taking a slight step back. Yeah, it's tough for the Tampa Bay Rays because I feel like this is a constant for them. You saw kind of the same thing with them in 2008. All right, cheers and pour one out for the Rockies and the Reds. So they made a trade that a lot of people probably looked past here. That was trading Jeff Hoffman from Colorado. He was actually the centerpiece coming to Colorado in their trade with Troy Tulowitzki to Toronto. Uh, And then Case Williams also heading to Colorado for Robert Stevenson and Jamison Hanna. Now, Robert Stevenson's the big name, I would say, out of the four of those. Uh, But first, looking at Jeff Hoffman heading into his age 28 season, Derek. I remember when we were looking at him saying, man, this guy is going to be something special. Well, he's got a long way since that day. He was the ninth pick overall in 2014 by Toronto. And uh, instead, he's got a 640 ERA and 230 and two-thirds innings pitch. So he's had his fair share of time, I guess you could say, in the MLB level and just has not produced in Colorado. And quite frankly, I mean, a lot of pitchers really struggle at core. So it's nice for him. The cheers part of this is that he gets a change of scenery. And then Stevenson heading into his age 27 season, he's only gone 64 and two-thirds innings pitch, but that's a 367 or 376 ERA uh, going into 2019. However, this past season was not quite the same success for him. He gave up 11 runs and 10 innings pitched with eight home runs allowed in the 2020 season. So Stevenson getting a, you know, a change of pace, maybe just hopping into a different jersey, looking at a change of scenery, maybe that'll help him uh, going into 2021. But cheers and pour one out because obviously not the careers they wanted uh, the way that they started it out, but they get a new opportunity and you've seen that work for other teams and other players in the past. All right, now we're going to talk with our guest for the day, David Lesky. He writes for Baseball Prospectus and Royals Review. Talk a little AL Central, talk a little Royals Baseball with David. But first off, David, uh, what is your go-to drink for watching a baseball game? And then kind of building off of that, what would be your, if you had like death row, you can only watch one more baseball game and then we're giving you the death sentence for, I don't know what you did, but uh, what, what would be your last drink that you could have for that? Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, the go-to drink for a baseball game is ice-cold beer, right? I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's easy. I know it's, it's, it's um, super cliche, but, I mean, what else are you going to drink? You know, I mean, you see those people out there with, like, the wine coolers and all that, and I'm like, no, I, just give me a beer. Um, last drink, though, I mean, if it's my last drink period, I got to have myself a really nice glass of scotch. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty basic. I, I'm not I – don't, I, don't, I don't mix a lot of drinks. It's just – it, it is, I drink the scotch and, um, you know, maybe I had a, uh, 30 year Macallan, um, a few years ago, some, this very rich guy, very rich guy was exploiting his money and wanted to buy a, a, a shop for everybody. And it was, it was like two twenty a glass. It was at a bar. So, I mean, and I'm, I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> um, it was pretty good. <laughs> pretty darn good yeah so i would take that too. I, i'd go for that <laughs> that's impressive man <laughs> yeah it was I, i'll never have it again i promise but and i would never have it on my own but you know 
Yeah, death row game, you might. So um, last, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, last year, the AL Central was, was kind of a three-team race with the Twins, the White Sox, and Cleveland. And then you had Detroit and Kansas City kind of in the rebuilding process. Uh, do you envision that being the same in 2021? Um, yeah, right now there's so many questions because the Indians, um, who knows what they'll look like. They're, they're probably trading Lindor. Um, yeah, who knows who else they'll trade because they are a poverty franchise that cries poor when they shouldn't. And that's stupid, but, um, the the pitching is going to be there for them. So they'll probably still be competitive, but at the same time, who who really knows? I mean, they, they've had holes in their outfield for three years and they haven't done anything to fill them. So it it's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what they'll be without Lindor and what they'll get back to. Cause they might get back a haul. They might get back enough that they're not going to replace that, but they'll replace 75% of that. And with their pitching, they'll be fine. The twins are losing a lot of people. Um, I mean, they, they, they maintain a good chunk of their core. They've still got Donaldson and they've got Sano and Buxton and, and Luis Arias is, is kind of on the scene, but who is Max Kepler? Um, they're probably going to non-tender Eddie Rosario here in a couple days. Um, the catching situation is a little bit iffy with them. Mitch Garver had a great 2019, but then 2020 was difficult. Um, Nelson Cruz is a free agent. That's, that's a big hole in their lineup if they don't re-sign him. And they've got the pitching a little bit. Kenta Maeda is still there, and um, Jose Barrios is still there. So they've got some of that, but they, they have a lot of questions too. And so I, I assume they'll be good. I don't know. And the White Sox, they've got a lot of young talent, but Tony Larusa, that's a disaster hire. Um, and so the three teams that I think will be the best, there's, you could make an argument that they will all fall off. And, and so that's what makes the Central really interesting in 2021. Um, and you've got the Tigers who are ascending. The Royals are ascending. Um, I don't think that they're quite to that level of, of being past the, the, the three best teams, but I mean, who knows? And, and with, with the weird shape of free agency, um, you've got this situation where anything could happen. I mean, the Royals, from what I've been told, the Royals are not going to shy away from signing guys. They're not going after Springer probably, um, but they're, they're going to be active. Money is not an issue with this ownership group right now. I mean, not to say that they could sign anybody, like I said, but they will, I think there's going to be bargains to be had. And I think, John Sherman and that ownership team will sign off on spending. It might not come until closer to spring training, but I, I think they're going to spend a little money and bring in some players. And, and you know, I, I, I could see either the Royals or Tigers doing that and leapfrogging one or two of those three teams that we talked about just because there's so much uncertainty. You know, you mentioned that the Royals and the Tigers, they're ascending at this time. When do you actually see their competitive, you know, spirits coming out? When do you actually see them competing at that level to where they could take first place, second place, and make a deep run once again like the Royals did in 2015? I mean, I don't think 2021 is the year, but I could see 2022, you really start to see signs of that winning baseball in both Detroit and Kansas City. Um I think of 2022 to me, I, I feel like it, it's the way things are setting up for the Royals, at least the organization, maybe publicly, maybe it's not privately, maybe it's only publicly, but are, are kind of setting up 2021 to be more like 2012 where you're really disappointed at the end of the year. And then 22 is more like that 2013 season where you see, Oh, this team can win. Um, and I think the Tigers are really in a similar position as the Royals. They both these teams have gobs of young pitching at the upper levels of the minors. Um, I, the Tigers did something interesting 
in their draft last year with going pretty much all offense. And I think it was mostly college offense. So really to supplement that young pitching. Um, so they, again, I think 2021 is probably a little early, but 22 to me, that's kind of the year for both of them. I, I think you could see a really, really good AL Central in 22 and definitely in 23. Yeah, and for the Tigers, I mean, we saw, you know, players like Casey Mize come up. And for the Royals, we saw Brady Singer, you know. But we didn't see some of the likes of, obviously, Bobby Witt Jr. or Spencer Tolkerson. That's just because, obviously, they were just drafted. But when do you think those possible timelines are for some of those bigger-name prospects to come up uh, for both the Royals and the Tigers? Yeah, I mean, from the pitching side, I I think that both the teams will see a lot of their guys come up in 21. Um, like you say, we saw my Scooble for the Tigers also. <clears throat> um, I, I could see any of the other, um, any of the Tigers pitching prospects. They've got a handful others, just like the Royals, really. Um, I could see any of them come up, maybe breaking into the bullpen, some of the rotation. I don't know. The Tigers rotation is pretty thin outside of their young guys who haven't proven anything really. Um, and, and the Royals is less thin. Uh, you know, I think they've got, You've got Brad Keller, you've got Danny Duffy to supplement Bubich and, and Singer, and you, you, I think Duffy could end up in the bullpen, but um, they've, got, they've got some other guys, and Carlos Hernandez debuted also for the Royals, um, but you've got Lynch and Lacey and Coar and Austin Cox and Jonathan Bull and a bunch of guys who I, I think could find their way. I, I imagine the Royals will sign a veteran starter at some point in the next three months. Um, but I, I think you'll see a lot of those guys come up. As far as the the offensive side, Torkelson, you might see in 21. He was – I think he was at their alternate site toward the end of the season. Um, he's basically ready. <laughs> he's he's a guy who – he was he was almost ready when he was drafted. Um, it, I don't think I'd guarantee you'd see him in 2021, but I, I think there's a pretty good chance. A guy like Bobby Witt, probably more like 22. Um you know, Khalil Lee's the guy you'll see in 21. Um, Kyle Isbell is a guy you might see in 21 for the Royals. But I think most of these guys will probably take another year. And a lot of that's just from lost development time in 2020, from not having a season. And there were, there were, there were ups and downs. There were pluses and minuses to that alternate site and having, having it bats against upper-level prospects and all that. But um, I think probably, the, at least from a Royals perspective, because they're very patient typically outside of a guy like Alberto Montesi, who they rushed as the only guy they've rushed, I feel like. Um, I, I think I think you'll see those guys, a few of them in 21, but I think a lot of them more 22, which maybe pushes the timeline because you don't exactly know where the gaps are to supplement. Um, yet, you, know, you can have an idea what a guy is going to be, but you don't know until you know. And so maybe, maybe it takes an extra year to know, okay, we need a third baseman, we need a left fielder, we need a second whenever it is um but I, I think over the next over the next two seasons I think most of these guys will come up and obviously they'll add more prospects in that time the Royals have a guy like Eric Pena who probably is more like 23 at best um so you know it, it, it's obviously it's a it's a gradual process but I think I think a lot of these big names we're talking about now will be latter half of 21 first half of 22. How would you rank, uh, if you had to right now, the, the hitting, uh, like the top teams in, in the division, hitting-wise and pitching-wise? Uh, the White Sox, I think, are the best offensive team right now. They, they just have so much thunder. Um, I think number two would probably be the Twins. Gosh, three, four, five. I mean, it's, it's 
brutal for hitting. <laughs> you know, if I can rank them all five, that'd be good. I, I, the Royals might be third, honestly, which is not not praise of the Royals <laughs> as much as it is uh, being down on the Tigers and Indians offensively. Um, I, I don't know. The Indians also still have Jose Ramirez, and at this moment they still have Francisco Lindor. So you'd probably put them three, but they'd probably drop to four or five without Lindor. Um, it's just a hodgepodge down in that. And then pitching-wise, um, gosh, the Indians are one. That's, that's obvious. I think the White Sox are probably two right now. Twins probably three, and then I'd put Royals four, Tigers five. But – I mean, that could shake up so quickly when these young guys start to come up and if they perform. And in the Indians, again, they trade guys. At some point, they're going to trade Shane Bieber. And, they're, and we're going to talk about how, again, how they're being crying poor when they're not poor. So, um, yeah, that, that's a, that could shake up really quickly. But I think that's how I'd put it right now. David, let's assume that 2021 won't be like 2020 and we'll actually have a 162-game season. <laughs> crossing our fingers right um you know looking at those storylines heading into that new season I mean what are the players that you're excited about outside of the ones you already mentioned any storylines in particular that you're kind of looking forward to surrounding the Royals organization yeah I mean with the Royals I really want to see how they replace Alex Gordon um that's a big story right there because right now as it's set up it looks like Franchi Cordero maybe um Although maybe he's the center fielder. I don't know. They, they, they're going to sign an outfielder. They need somebody. Um, I, I could see that being Eddie Rosario, potentially. You know, I mean, he, he's a guy who the Royals could like. Um, but who, who replaces him? And at some point, is that Khalil Lee? Is that Kyle Isbell? That's a big storyline from the Royals' perspective. Another one, I know you said that's an, an, guys we haven't talked about, but which of the young pitching prospects come up? Who's first? Um, we've seen Singer. We've seen Bubich. Is it, and we've seen Hernandez. Is it Lynch? Is it Lacey? Is it Coar? Is it somebody unexpected? Kind of like Bubich was kind of unexpected when he came up before any of them other than Singer uh, in 2020. That, that's a big question. Um, and then also, I, I really want to see what happens with third base. Because right now, Michael Franco, um, he'll probably ask for about $8 million in arbitration. Do they non-tender him? That's a number guys are being non-tendered at in 2020. And so there's a big question about how they handle third base. Does that go to Kelvin Gutierrez? Um, do they bring somebody in? Do they just, do they not non-tender Franco? Do they keep him around and just pay the arbitration salary? I don't know what that's going to be, but, um, and then on top of that, I really, I, I'm curious, Mondesi and Lopez up the middle, those two to me are a really big story because I mean, Mondesi was a terrible player for half the season and then maybe the best player in baseball for the last half of the season. Who knows? What do you, what do you have in Mondesi? The encouraging thing from that second half was the walk rate was up over up above 7%. If he can walk at a, at a 5% rate, I mean, we're not, he doesn't need to be 7%. If he can walk at a 5% rate, that is, we're talking fireworks going off like Mark Quinn walking back in 2002 or whenever that was. Um, that's really important. I think it, it, he, he's the guy to follow because it's annoying because we've said this every single year for, what, four years now. The Royals go as far as Alberto Mondesi takes them. If he's a superstar, they're going to be fine. If he's not, they've got to figure out a way to do it without him. Um, and then Nicky Lopez, he's got a hit. The guy plays great defense, um, but he's just – he's such a zero. It's, it's a problem. I didn't expect this from him. I thought he was going to be much better than he has been. And I think that if, if he can get to 
20% below league average. They'll be fine with him in the lineup. But that, that up the middle, that's a really big story there. And, and, you know, if you want to continue up the middle, who plays center field? Is it Whit Merrifield? I probably wouldn't play him there every day. Um, I, I tend to think they're going to end up with Jackie Bradley Jr. Just that's a, a – they've liked him for a long time. He's out there, all this, and the market might dictate that he gets a little bit less than he would have otherwise, which helps the Royals out, all that. He might want to play next to his friend Whit. You know, there's all that storyline but up the middle is a really big question for me in 2021 I'm, I'm really curious to see how that plays out all right let's get on to our next segment with david our shotgun segment get your key ready get your beer ready first up i feel sad asking this question but uh who's gonna win a playoff game first one of the royals and tigers or the twins we'll let david go first then i'll have you do that. <laughs> well can you really bet on the twins at all <laughs> Right. I mean, it's got to be one of the Royals and Tigers because the Twins, they're never going to win a game again. <laughs> Dusty? Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to go the same direction. I think the Royals or Tigers, you know, they're ascending at this time. And the Twins, they cannot seem to get over that hump of winning a game, which is shocking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want it to be the Twins just so they can get that monkey off their back. I do feel like like once they finally win that first playoff game, maybe it'll be such a monkey off their shoulders that they'll just go on to win the World Series at that point. But uh, yeah, I think the smart bet is actually the the Tigers and Royals combo there, which is very sad. Uh, better, better pitching staff in 2023, Kansas City, Detroit, or Cleveland? Can you bet against Cleveland? <laughs> I, mean, I, I really like what the Royals are doing with their pitching development. And I, and I think that and the, I think they're going to be good, um, pitching at least. But 2023, the Indians – they, they just keep churning them out. I got to go with the Indians. I want to say Royals, but I got to go with the Indians. It's tough because of betting against the Indians, and you see this kid like Plesak moving up the way he has. And I also think you got to watch out for Cal Quantrill <laughs> um, for the Indians. But I'm actually going to go a different direction. I'm going to say the Tigers. I really like the youth that they have there and the fact that they've already had some major league experience from this past season. Um, you add up a couple more guys like Manning. Uh, you never know. These guys could churn out kind of like what the Braves did this year. Uh, so I'm going to say the Tigers in 2023. That gives me a little bit of time. I, I'm okay with that. Would it surprise anybody if uh, one name that wasn't even mentioned, Tristan McKenzie, ends up being like a Cy Young candidate or something in a couple of years? Yeah, so. Yeah, I'll go with, know, and then they'll trade him the year after. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. But for that year specifically, I'll go with the Indians as well. But I, I think it'll be close either way. Um, bonus question. Who will be the best pitcher on each of those staffs in 2023? Okay, so let's see. I, have to, I know I've said this twice already, but I, I have to figure out when Bieber will be a free agent to know if they will have traded him a year before. Um, he came up and hit – no, they'll have traded him. I, I, think, I think McKenzie is the guy um, because I imagine he'll have a decent year this year, be hurt in 22, and then come back and be amazing in 23. Um, so I'll say McKenzie for the Indians. I will say – I. I really like Scooble for the Tigers. I, I think that I like I, their the Tigers staff is really daunting in the future, but I think Scooble is going to be the best there. And then um, I think Daniel Lynch for the Royals. I think, I think that he's the best of those prospects. I go back and forth between him and Lacey, but we haven't seen Lacey yet. So I'm going to go with Daniel Lynch. 
Yes. Yeah, since I chose the Tigers, I guess the first one for me would also be Scooble. I, I like what Casey Mize has, but I don't like that strikeout to walk ratio. And also more than anything else is Caper nine is not necessarily what I was expecting from him this first season. Um, so I like Scooble. I like what he's got to offer on the other side for the Indians. Uh, I really love Plesak. Uh If he can actually get his head on straight, um, obviously he was the man that decided to abandon his team uh, in the Chicago bars. If he can actually get his head on, uh, I think that he could actually be an ace on that team, especially when, as David kind of mentioned, uh, Bieber probably is moved on. And so please, that could be a huge deal. As for the Royals, I'm just going to, you know, you're, you're the perspectives guy. I, I've been looking at a, a lot of their rotation and it's hard for me right now too too early to call. Uh, and I can't stop the count. So I'm going to say probably Lynch as well, just based off of what I've read about him. And uh, it looks like he's probably got the nastiest stuff of them. So. Yeah, I'm going Lynch as well for the Royals. I mean, there were reports in the offseason, too, that he's lighting up the radar gun, like looks really good at, at the alternate site. So I really like Lynch there. Um, man, yeah, the Indians one is really hard because, yeah, like you said, there's so many factors in there. But I'm a big Tristan McKenzie guy, so I will go with him. And then for the Tigers, I do think Mize is going to turn out to be really good. So uh, I'll just I'll give them that. Um Here's more of just a, I guess it's almost like a true false question. Cleveland has the best hitter, pitcher, and manager in the division. Oh boy, they have the best pitcher. I let's see, Francona is better than Larusa. <laughs> He's <laughs> Baldelli is. Like, I, I like Rocco Baldelli. Um, that that's the spot that I'm. Yeah, AJ Hinch is. I, I don't know what kind of a manager he is without a trash can. So I, <clears throat> I, I don't. I don't know that I can give it to him. Um, and hitter wise, oh boy, I, you know I say false because I think, I think that if healthy, Josh Donaldson is better than Jose Ramirez. Um, Ramirez is a better all around player, but hitter wise, I think Josh Donaldson probably takes him um, just off the top of my head, and I, I, I could see. Um, Eloy Jimenez as a, as a guy. There, there are a handful of options I think are better than Jose Ramirez, who is the best Indians hitter left. Um, so I'm going to say false on that, but it's you got to really think about it because I they're they're close to having all of that. <laughs> I have to make it clear that this is for 2021, so it's true for 2021, and after 2021, it's false um, because I'm a big Luis Robert guy, and I think that he's got one more year before he becomes the best player in that division. Uh, but for 2021 specifically, I will say true because I do think Jose Ramirez at this time is the best hitter in that division right now. The White Sox players just need a little more time before they hit their peak. Um, we all have to remember they're, you know, most of their guys like Eloy is like 23. I mean, they're a very young team. And so they're not even it's close very- to their prime yet. Um, so keeping that in mind, I would say true. Shane Bieber is the obvious a winner for pitcher. And then I would say Terry Francona just because he's a proven winner. I do like Rocco, uh, but Francona's found ways to maneuver even with the Indians being as difficult as they are in the front office. Uh, and he's managed to, you know, bring them as far as they've gone. Now, granted, he couldn't get them past the wild card round this time around, but I wouldn't totally blame him either. Who saw Shane Bieber imploding against the Yankees. So uh, I would say that at this time, that's true. Give me 2022. And I probably have a completely an- different answer for you. I'll say false just because, like, there's so many uh, things that could happen that could go wrong, whether it's, like, an injury or a player breaking out, that one of those things won't end up being true. But I do think it's crazy that, at the very least, like, 
you can make a real argument that they do have all those things. And yet at the same point in time, like they're not a slam dunk pink pick to win the division, which I, I guess goes into what David has been saying about the ownership, lack of spending money to kind of supplant those pieces. Well, I mean, look at our shirts. Think about the chiefs. What was it? 20, the year they had seven pro bowlers and went like two and 14. <laughs> I mean, that it doesn't make sense, but it, it's, you know, it's kind of what it is. <laughs> Imagine having a Hall of Fame running back, quarterback, and tight end and still never winning a Super Bowl. Mm. Chargers, baby. Couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't imagine that. Uh, better reliever in 2021, James Karinchak or Josh Stalmont? Oh, yeah. I love Stalmont. I, I just – it's it's hard to trust him day in and day out. And, and Karinchak is kind of the same way. He has some struggles, too in 2020 so we didn't see them as much because we weren't watching him every single day like we watched the royals um but i would say karen jack i think the stuff is a little bit nastier um i think both have a chance to be absolute dynamite but i think karen jack probably is a better reliever love that stalmont throws absolute gas but i'm gonna have to turn the direction of karen jack as well and that's just because of the opportunity i think that he will actually end up being the closer for cleveland's um, or at least he's looking like he will go that direction. I know originally they wanted Class A to be that guy until he decided to get suspended and completely ruin that entire trade between Texas and Cleveland. Uh, I just think that Karen Jack's going to have more opportunity, and therefore, because of that, uh, he will be the better reliever in 2020. Wait, hold up. You don't like Delano DeShields as the, as the keeping <laughs> I've had a, I had to cover Delano DeShields for years, and I can tell you this, great guy, but on the field, uh, not exactly yeah. what you're looking for, especially with the bat in hand. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going Corinne check as well. He's just nasty. I love the way – I don't know. It, it's kind of weird how he delivers the baseball. But I, Stelmont's awesome as well. Like 94th percentile in whiff percentage, 99th percentile in fastball velocity, 91st percentile in curve spin, uh, 90th percentile in K percentage. Like you look at all these numbers and, and he's really elite. But I, I think both those guys – like it would not surprise me at all if both those guys ended up being all-stars as relievers as soon as this year, quite honestly. Okay. Um, we like to do this with all our uh, divisional teams here on booze and baseball, comparing all of our teams to uh, different alcoholic beverages or um, I guess alcohol related events. So David, if you want to ponder Kansas city, I can go ahead and get us started. I'll, I'll, I'll take the Minnesota twins the Minnesota Twins are like a nightcap of whiskey with a slice of pizza. It's delicious. You're wanting something to eat. You get your slice of pizza. You're wanting to just relax, uh, have some whiskey. I both enjoy my drink and food at night, which would kind of be equivalent to the regular season. But then when I'm sleeping and I wake up the next morning, which would be equivalent to the playoffs, I end up with heartburn from eating the pizza and drinking the whiskey late. And I also end up thinking why did I have that drink late I don't feel as well in the morning um that's kind of like the twins it's it's nice at the time but then once you get to that next moment the postseason it just hasn't worked out for the Chicago White Sox for me I gotta go with the old classic college one which is four loco you know they're full of energy which is exactly what it does for you uh, they're gonna stay alive in the hut the entire way for a while at least just like they did in 2019 but then all of a sudden that energy turns to a huge crashing halt and that's exactly what you saw against the Oakland Athletics and uh, of course that's what ended the White Sox dreams of reaching the World Series in 2019 but 
you know, when you're also kind of looking at this, the arrival of Tony LaRusso, that was another scary moment for them right now. And I, I don't like the hiring at all. And so at nights, you know, you could be unpredictable, just like drinking for loco. Uh, you don't know where you're going to be going. And so, of course, with the White Sox having LaRusso atop the leadership, uh, you just don't know what direction they're going to be going with him there. I don't think it's going to be a positive direction. And uh, for loco doesn't necessarily get you in a right direction, so to speak. David, do you have one for the Royals? Yeah, um, I think the Royals are, are the they're when you get home and you're hungry, and so you start to put something on the stove, and you're like, I'm, I'm really gonna I'm gonna cook this. It's gonna be delicious. It's gonna be a great way to end my night. And while it's cooking, you get out the stale wheat thins, and you take the and you and you forgot that you took a beer out to drink while you were cooking, and it's a little bit warm. It's a little bit flat. It's it's fine. And, and you think, gosh, I should have just waited. I should have just waited for that food that was, that was sitting on there. I should have left that beer in the fridge for a little bit longer. That's the 2021 Royals. If you just wait for the food to cook, it would be better. But uh, she's just not quite there. <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm going to continue on that. Cleveland. Cleveland is like going over to a friend's house who always gives you free beer. Like you're always over there. You're always drinking for free. It's awesome but it's like never high-end beer. It's not like bad beer. Like it's not Keystone Light. It's not like Natty Light, but it's not like a good IPA or an Oktoberfest or whatever you like. It, it's none of that either. So on one hand, like you're having a good time, you're getting a lot of enjoyment out of the night, but also there's a part of you that's just like, you couldn't spend more money on this. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the uh, the Detroit Tigers are kind of an interesting one, and I had to think about this one for a while, but I'm going to equate that to Palomas. There's tequila in there, you know, so there's bound to be some excitement, but it's nothing that's going to set you off immediately per se. You've got to sip and enjoy it, but it, it takes a little bit of time before it truly has an effect, and when it does, my goodness, does it hit you. Um, it could be a little underrated, and kind of how I see the arms right now in the club at this time. They have a great farm system, and nobody's really talking about that, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, the tequila gets the job done, and I think that's what's going to happen with the Tigers moving forward. All right, last one just for you, David. Uh, what is the best beer to get inside of Kauffman Stadium? Oh, boy. I mean, I haven't been in so long. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a year and a half now. Um, I, I mean, I got to go with Boulevard, right? And, and I don't uh, – personally, I kind of go back and forth between pale ale and wheat depending on the, the temperature uh, outside. But um, – Pretty much whatever you like Boulevard-wise, you're going to find a good beer. Um, they didn't pay me to say that, but, um, yeah, and any, anything Boulevard there, um, just it's, 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 it's perfect for a baseball game. Now, I will say I'm not opposed to a good old summer shandy when it's 98 degrees and um, it's 12 to 2, the Royals are losing. But, <laughs> but yeah, number one, any, anything Boulevard out there. He's David Lasky, Baseball Prospectus Royals Review. David, thank you so much for the time. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, thank you once again to David Lasky for talking to us about the AL Central and specifically the Kansas City Royals. We're going to go into some cold, hard news here. First of all, Marcel Ozuna changing agencies. Now he's with CAA. He was frustrated initially with his lack of initial offers last season, thus the reason why he signed a one-year deal with Atlanta that ultimately led them to one game shy of the World Series. Another one, Jed Hoyer, the new baseball operations president here for the Cubs. He's agreed to a five-year contract following Theo Epstein stepping down in that position. And then the one that really hits home for me, Kevin Crone signs a one-year, $1.1 million deal with the Hiroshima Carp. And so watching a lot of carp game this year. I know it. 
I will be. I will be streaming all the carp games because I want to see Crone hit absolute nukes, something that uh, unfortunately the Diamondbacks won't be seeing anymore. Biggest mistake they will make in this decade. And then finally, <laughs> Trevor Williams electing free agency over signing a deal to go to AAA. Uh, and honestly, I'm a little surprised that that's all he could get. He was actually a decent starter. Granted, that was for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I, I think he'll get a flyer deal somewhere, but – that is, that's quite the statement. That's the worst thing the Diamondbacks are going to do this decade. We got a long decade ahead of us. We got nine more years. Pete Alonzo 2.0, baby. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm ready for Kevin Crow to take off when he comes back in his Eric Thames 2.0. <laughs> All right, he is Dusty Baker. I'm Derek Johnson. Thank you to David Lesky for joining the show. That's going to do it for episode six here. We'll have our full-fledged AL Central preview on next week's show. And thank you to our... Uh, our sponsor, so to speak, of the show, Man Cave Merch. I got mine in. I'm super excited. I didn't show these to David because he probably would have left the conversation right then and there because I have <laughs> one uh, of these coasters, and they have old, like, baseball cards in them. They're really cool. And one of the guys, the one on this one, it has Madison Bumgarner. So uh, that would have chased David off right then and there had we uh, shown that one. But uh, awesome. can you and they can help you as well. But, I, yeah, these are probably some of the coolest things you could get out there. Man Cave Merch. Good for a stocking stuffer, I would say, as well. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so we're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Audible. Please give us a five-star review. Helps us out. Tell, us a, tell a friend uh, to listen to the show. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Booze in Baseball. You can reach out there to our email as well, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com. If you have any questions, uh, you want to hit us up for a mailbag, you have any alcohol for us to review. Also, thanks to Mixkit for the stock music. Thank you to Man Cave Merch for the coasters. Drink responsibly. Have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Talk to you next show. Take care, everybody.